Let's get going over here. Okay, so today's daf is daf chavtes, page twenty nine, and we pick up from the bottom of daf chavches on the We started um, two lines from the bottom. We started these statements, but let's go back and recap and restart, starting from Amar Rabbi Nachman. The last three words, two lines from the bottom of chavches on the All right, last few words are Amar Rabbi Nachman, and we are discussing the power. Of of uh, the sun uh, when there's clouds in the sky, and yesterday we ended off um, by explaining that the idea is when you know the same way when you have the vinegar that's locked inside of a bottle and you pop a hole in the top, so the energy that comes out, the smell, and everything that vinegar has to offer comes out of a very condensed place so too when you have the sun on a cloudy day any cracks in the clouds is going to allow the sun to pop through and be particularly strong in that area all right that was that was uh, the ideas that we were uh you know we, we discussed a few variations of that idea but ultimately once we're talking about the power of sun on a cloudy day so we're going to keep uh, discussing this, and um, uh, we're gonna we're gonna mention now this vinegar idea, and also get into other things in life. It's gonna be a beautiful, beautiful Gemara. Other things in life where things seem to be less, but they end up being more. Right on a cloudy day, it seems like the power of the sun is less. Ultimately, it's much stronger. Ends up being you know ends up being even more. All right, so let's get going. Omer Nachman. Rav Nachman says Zuamo Shimsha Koshi Mishimsha. The sun rays on a cloudy day are even stronger than the rays of the sun on a day with no clouds, on a day where it's, uh, it's clear. And the way to remember this is from a jug of vinegar. Okay? Like we just explained. And also, the looking at the sun, the rays of the sun, it's even greater, again, on a cloudy day, to see the rays of the sun popping through are even greater. This is where we ended yesterday. And the way to remember this idea is dofa, which is that when you have something which drips on one spot over and over and over again, Rashi says, if you have a, a gallon of water all dripping into one spot, it's gonna hurt a lot more and be a lot more annoying and painful than immersing your whole body in that gallon, that same gallon. Because again, we're more, uh, we're more condensed over here, okay? So that's a quick uh, chazara of how we ended off yesterday. Let's keep going. Fascinating Gemara. Top of Chav Tesh Aleph. Now we start today's daf. Listen to this. It's going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. Herhu Avera. To an extent, contemplating and imagining in Avera, Rashi says we're dealing with immorality, fantasizing about women and immorality, Kashume Avera is even harsher than the act of Avera itself. Now, interesting, it doesn't say it's a bigger Avera. What it says is it's worse for a person because when a person fantasizes over something, it has a much, it takes them over in a much greater way 
than the thing itself. Picture going on vacation. Person wants to go on a two-day vacation. You fantasize it about for four weeks. And then you go on your vacation. Vacation's nice, but it was even more gishmak to think about it for four weeks leading up to it. Right? Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Ah, it's going to be merdik, and we're going to chill, and we're going to go to the beach, and we're going to head, and we're going to eat out, and that. And then you actually go and do it. All right, it was nice, it was enjoyable. But it doesn't take you over the same way the imagination does. So when a person just keeps contemplating sin, it has an effect on their neshama in a stronger way than the action even, which has a stronger, the action has a stronger impact on the net, on the guf, and imagination, mamish, takes over a person's mind. Fascinating concept. And the way to know this is true is by smelling a delicious piece of meat. Right? The example I would give for us is coffee. Big coffee drinker. I'm a big coffee drinker. Yeah? Coffee's delicious. Some people, coffee is not a drink. It's like a whole lifestyle. Yeah? Personally, I think coffee smells a lot better than it tastes. I enjoy the taste too. But to be in a room with a good geschmack, a smell of coffee, mm, yeah, that's great. So, you, so there, there's times where you see like the, the imagination of something, the smell of something can even, give, uh, can even be, be greater than the thing itself. Shuli de kaita, kasha mikaita. And also the end of the summer is even stronger. The heat, Rashi explains, is going to impact a person. Lafi Rashi, here's how Rashi explains the heat impacts a person towards the end of the summer in a much greater way than the beginning of the summer. Okay? We'll explain why in a minute. And the way to remember this is a warm oven. What does that mean? When uh, you, ever, will you ever read a recipe, yeah? I'll tell you a joke. There's two yeshiva guys talking about cooking and cookbooks. And one says to the other, I don't know, I don't go for cookbooks. Every, it's too difficult, it's too difficult. Every recipe starts the same way. Take a clean pan, forget it. <laughs> There's no clean pan anywhere, we can't find one. Okay, so what is it? You, you open up a recipe book, what does it say? Preheat the oven to 350. Why you got to preheat the oven? Because you got to make sure, once the oven's heated, it has a greater impact on the food as soon as you put it in. You don't want the oven warming up, huh? So that's what it means at the end of the summer when a person's been through the, the, the heat of the summer. Now, once you get to the end, it has a much more detrimental impact on the body because the, it, you, know, you have all the heat. That you, for, you've already preheated everything, you know? Um, ishta, the sivsa, and having fever in the winter, kashya midikaita, is even worse than in the summer. Okay, because in the winter when everything's cold and all of a sudden fever takes over the body, it's like two opposites. Your insides are, you start shivering and shaking. You have the heat and the extreme cold. Well, in the summer, you're ready and everything's warm already. Your body's warmed up and the, the fever is not coming and attacking an opposite of what it is. And therefore, it's easier to, to, to handle that type of illness. And the way to remember that is with a cold oven. If you have a very cold oven, so uh, hot wood is um, is uh, more hot wood is going to be needed to, to bring uh, to warm things up. Nigmar ba'atikta kashya mecharita. 
Misimnach Tina Bartina. This is fascinating. And it's so true. We'll translate this literally and then we'll expound. Literally what this means is to learn something again after you forgot it is worse, you're worse off than learning it from, from scratch. Okay? You're worse off learning it from scratch. I.e., for example, this is a, and this is a, a it's kind of comical, but it's a very true concept and you have to know when to apply it. Experience. Very often we look for people with experience. Says the Gemara, wrong experience can be very detrimental. Just because somebody's done something, if they haven't done it right, it's going to be much harder to retrain them to do it right than to take somebody with no experience and you say, listen, let me show you how to do this. And therefore, says the Gemara, when you learn something, forgot it, and you're relearning again, it's like taking cement, grinding it down, and trying to make cement again. It ain't the same as, ta as, as making cement from scratch. Okay? So again, you know, focusing on, it's this end of the price, but the focusing on, uh, on this idea. And you see from here that a lot of things that maybe we'll take as a premise and for granted, nish, nish pushy, not so simple. You know, and uh, you really have to know there's, there's many, many variables to a lot of uh, situations that people will naturally take as a premise. Oh, person's got experience, will for sure take that person over no experience. Says the Gemara Nish Tazai. Don't, don't, don't jump too fast. Don't jump so fast. All right, period. End of that price. So here we go. Says the Gemara Vaiti Rami Rabbi Avo. Rabbi Avo says, My time with the Rebbe. What is the reason for Rabbi? Now, again, what Rabbi teaches us is going back to the beginning of the Brisa, that when you have light, it spreads out. For the conductor, what's that? What does that mean? That is the morning deer. The morning deer. Okay? The morning deer. Just like the deer of the morning. A deer's horns, as it gets longer, as it gets older, it spreads out more and more. Um, so too, the light of the morning spreads out uh, from here and to there. As you move along, as, you, you know, as, as the, the rays move out, so they continue to expand. Now, once we're mentioning Ayeles, Hashachar, once we're mentioning the morning deer, the, the Gemara is going to take us on a little bit of a tangent, a beautiful tangent, teach us some fascinating limudim. Here we go. Omar of Zera of Zera says, Esther is called a female deer. Okay? A female deer. What did Esther say? Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani. Okay? And it's about this, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani, that we say, Okay? So Dabra Malach is talking about Esther. When she's going into King Achishverish and saying, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani. What does a deer have to do with Esther? Laimar to teach you, just like a, a, a deer has a very, um, has a narrow rechem, uh, a narrow womb. And it makes relations with her mate more enjoyable. As if it was a virgin, as if this was the first time over and over that they're mating. 
Af Esther, so too for Esther Hamalka, Haisa Habiba Lachashverish called Shah the Shah Kisharishai. Achashverish enjoyed living with Esther and having relations with Esther every time as if it was the first time. Amar Ravasi. Ravasi says, okay, that's why she's compared to the to a, a deer. Lama Nimshlashavashakar. Very nice that she's compared to a deer. Why is she compared to Ayelas Hashachar? What does it mean, the mourning deer? The Gemara is going to answer something very interesting. The Gemara is going to tell us, Lomar Lachat, to say to you, Mashachar Sov Kolalayla. Just like mourning is after nighttime. Now, this is an interesting way to put it, because usually in our minds as Americans, living in a non Jewish society, we say, one second, the day doesn't follow the night, the night follows the day. The Gemara is telling us you got to think like a Yid. The day follows the night, right? Because Hashem made evening and then morning. That's why Jewish days all begin the night before. Shabbos begins on Friday night. So just like morning starts after the end of the night, so too the story of Esther, the story of Purim was the last of all miracles. Ask the Gemara, what are you talking about? <laughs> when did the story of Purim happen? During Golos Bavel, right? After the first place of Mikdash was destroyed, Achashverosh makes a whole party, right? They miscalculate, the 70 years are up. Oh, let's make a party. There's not going to be a second base on Mikdash. So Purim happened in between the first and second base on Mikdash. When did Hanukkah happen? Midway through the second base on Mikdash. A couple hundred years later. So says the Gemara, how can you tell me the story of Purim is the last of all miracles? The same way the, the night ends going into the morning, so too miracles ended by Esther. Says the Gemara, what are you talking about? What about the story of Hanukkah? So the Gemara says, you're right. The story of Hanukkah did happen later. However, the story of Hanukkah does not have a Megillah in Tanakh. Esther is the last miracle. Megillah's Esther is one of the Ksuvim, one of the writings in, in Tanakh. And that was the last book of miracles to be added in. There's no such thing as Megillah's Hanukkah that's in Tanakh. Okay? And therefore, we mean that she's, she, we call her the morning because that, the, the, that was the final book of miracles that was put into Tanakh. Sigmar says, okay, very nice, but you should know, not everybody agrees that Megillah's Esther is part of Ksuvim, is part of the writings. Honey, Esther, Nitna, if you're going to tell me that Megillah's Esther is part of Ksuvim, okay. So you, you wiggled out and you gave me a reason why Esther is called Shachar. Very nice. But there's another opinion which says that Megillah's Esther is not allowed to be part of Tanakh. This is a Machoikas and Mesechus Megillah, okay? According to the opinion that Megillah's Esther is not part of Tanakh, so we're back to our question. Why are we saying Esther is, is the morning, is Ayelah Sashachar, because the morning is the last thing following the night, what about Hanukkah? We're back to our question. Some more answers. We're going to establish it according to the, the word Shachar. We're backing off. And we're going to give a new reason why Esther is called Ayelas HaShachar. Ayelas, again, uh, for the deer that has a narrow womb and a Hashverish appreciated being with her. And the morning is the Amar Rabbi why are the tzaddikim compared to deer? Their their tfilos compared to deer. Lomar lachat to teach you mayalazu. Just like this deer calls manshem megadelas as long as it's getting bigger. Karnel mapsilos, it, it's it's uh, horns. 
get bigger and larger and grow additional antlers. Af tzadikim, so to tzadikim, calls man shamar ben the longer they're around and the more that they daven, tfiloson nishmaas, the more those tfilos will be heard. If a tzaddik keeps davening and davening and davening and davening, ultimately their tfilos will be answered. So the obvious question, and that's the answer, says the, but, but let's talk for ourselves. What does this have to do with shachar? What's it got to do with mourning? The answer is that shachar could be referring to the morning tefillah as well. Okay? So that's really what the Gemara is uh, popping off over here, is that Ayala Sashachar is all one idea. Ayala Sashachar is that there's a growth. As long as the Ayelas is growing, there's a sh- uh, it keeps expanding. So too, Tzadikim, and specifically Esther, her tefillah, Keli Keli Lama Zabtani, was a tefillah that kept, uh, that kept uh, expanding, and ultimately that's why the Yidin were saved from the decree of Haman and Achash Veirosh. Period. End of that beautiful, beautiful Gemara. We got the two dots. And now we get back. We're going to pull ourselves, the conversation, back to our Mishnah. Okay. Here we go. Let's remind ourselves what's going on. We said in the Mishnah, they used to send Kohanim outside on the ground, on the roof, we had a whole, a whole conversation, right? Begin the Gemara. Who started the conversation? Is it on the eastern side, all the way out? We said, why couldn't they do it from inside the Beis HaMikdash? Why do we have to send them out? In, there were windows, right? Inside the Beis HaMikdash, they could see two. What did we answer? Because there was a story. The moon gave off light. Yeah, the moon gave off light, and they thought it was the sun, so they brought the carbon. And, uh, you know, and then the, there was a mistake. It was early night. They had to take the Tumid and burn it in the Beis Hasreifa and bring a new one. And therefore, we said, you know what? We're not going to rely on the inside the Beis HaMikdash. From here on forth, we're going to send Kahanim out to make sure the light comes from the sun. Okay. Says the Gemara, one second. Pause. Pause, pause, pause. Let's think for a minute. You ready? I'll start with a joke. Here's the joke. The joke is like this. What do you do? It's not a funny joke, okay? It's just a, a kid. I, it's like a riddle I asked fourth graders. What do you do if Tishabah falls out on Rishchidosh? Are you allowed to fast? And they're thinking and they're thinking and they're thinking. Usually you get one kid is like, Rebbe, I thought Tishabav is Tespa'av, so how could it be Rishchidosh? I'm like, all right, very good. Yeah? It's the ninth day of Av, so it can't be Rishchidosh, right? So, okay, beautiful. When's Yom Kippur? The tenth day of Tishrei. How big is the moon on the tenth day of a month? It ain't full moon. Nobody confusing it with the sun. So ask the Gemara, let's go, let's look inside. Amos. When was this story where they thought the moonlight was the sunlight? Come on. If you're going to tell me that it's, uh, we're talking about a, uh, a regular month, yeah, a regular month of the year, all right? And you can have the moon, and besides for the size of the moon, the moon comes up and it's noticeable closer to the morning. Okay. 
yeah, isn't it enough that it's not the Kain Gadol who performs the Avaidah? Meaning, the Kain Gadol shouldn't be the one, it happened with the Kain Gadol, the Kain Gadol shouldn't be the one doing an Avaidah on a regular day. The Kahanim who are there in that Mishmar should be doing the Avaidah. You must be done with the 10th of the month. <laughs> you can't confuse the moon for the sun. The moon is not noticeable near where the sun is usually noticeable, and therefore it's simply not possible to confuse the, the moon giving off its light with the sun giving off light. Answers the Gemara, this, this is the story. When they said that the shine is shining, that's when they took the Kayin Godel down to the Beis Hatfila. Okay? Which means, what does this mean? What did we just do? Uh, Rashi explains what we just did is that we explained that actually the story where the confusion of the moon and the sun happened towards the end of the month. It was not a Kayin Godel Dika story. I so why in the Mishnah did we bring down the story and then say, oh, when it came time for dawn, they brought the Kayin Gadol down to the mikvah. You can ask, what does the Kayin Gadol have to do with this if it's not Yom Kippur? The answer is there's a pause. The first half of the Mishnah is dealing with regular Kayhanim, and that's towards the end of the month. And now we're saying, oh, now by the way, there's a new idea. And that is when it comes to Yom Kippur, they would take the Kayin down, the Kayin Gadol down to the base of Tzila, and that's really a whole new discussion. Okay, period, very, pretty straightforward. Let's say this outside. We had a question. When did this story happen when they confused the moon and the sun? And the mission seems to be dealing with a Kayin Gadol, and if it's Kayin Gadol, it must be Yom Kippur, and Yom Kippur is not towards the end of the month. The answer is, we're not dealing with the Kayin Gadol, we're not dealing with Yom Kippur, it was towards the end of the month, and therefore it makes sense that it was confusion. Aye, so why right afterwards you're talking about the Kayin Gadol going down to the mikvah? Separate halacha. Put a period before then. That's a separate halacha, period. All right. End of that discussion. Here we go. Tony Avud Revavin, the father of Rabbi Avin, taught us. Loizu bilvad omru, elo haf melika soif, ukmitzas mincha balaylo tisoreif. Yeah. Not only is an animal shechted at night, not kosher, but even the melika of a bird or the three fingerfuls, the kamitza of a karba mincha, if it's done at night, also it's not valid, and you take it out to the place of burning. Bishlama oilas ha'ayf, so the Gemara makes sense. We're dealing with the oilas ha'ayf, okay, where you did malika, so madahave have. So listen, you got a dead bird now. So what's the option? Is it a kosher karba? No, it's not a kosher karba. So what are my options? Not much. Go burn it. Because it's messed up. Ella kaimates. But by the three finger by the three fingerfuls of flour, by the kamitza, we now turn to the top of Chaf Tes Amud Bez, Nahadra Obama. Why are we saying when you take the kamitza flour at nighttime, oh blah, 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 one second, it was too early, go burn it. No, take the flour, put it back in the bucket. <laughs> Put it back and then take it at the right time. You can't reshecht an animal. That we understand. You can't reshecht a bird. That we understand. But what, but you could retake flour. So why are we saying the flour that was taken at night? Burn it and it's not valid. Instead, we should say, ask the Gemara, put back the flour and redo it in the morning. 
answers the Gemara, who Tanalav, who Amarla. So, so he, he taught this question and he explained the reason why you can't just put it back is because once the Kmitzah was put into a Klisharis and it's not in its proper time, it's no longer valid. And therefore, as soon as that, that flower, the three finger poles of flower was separated, it was at the wrong time, dealing with the Klisharis, and we're done with it. And you can't put it back. Rather, you take it out to be burnt. Period. Azoi is Rabbi Oven's father's question and the way that he answered it. Okay? Again, his question was, why are we putting the flower in the same category as the bird as the animal? Why not redo it? Answer is, it can't be redone because it already took on the Kedusha. Okay. Says the Gemara, one second. Is that true? Is it true that um, when you separate the kaimits of flower and you put it into a cliche race, it's done? May say that's a challenging question, Zach Klau. This is the rule. Anything that's to be brought close as offered as an avoid on the Mizbeach by day is only becomes hectish by day. Now we already know where the question's going. Because if you took the Kmitz at night and put into a Klisharis, maybe it shouldn't have Kedusha yet. Okay? Because it says, if it's meant to be brought during the day, and you put it in during the day, then it's a problem. But we learned, if it's meant to be brought by day, then it's only Kedush if it's put into Klisharis by day. You see very clear that if you take something that's meant to be a daytime carbon, the mincha, the flower, it's meant to be brought by day, and instead I put into the Klisharis by night, it's not Kadosh. Because I put it in at nighttime. It only becomes Kadosh. It o- ask the Gemara. It only becomes sanctified once you put into a Klisharis and it's daytime. But in our case, you put in the Kamitsa into the Klisharis at night. So we're back to square one. Why can't you put the flower back? Put it back. After the Gemara, Doma in Maybe the Brisa means not that it's, you could put it back. Rather, when it's meant to be brought by day, then it's not good by day, but at night, it still can't be brought. Okay? It's still, it's still possible. It's possible. All right? In other words, maybe it's only not kadosh in a sense that, what do you mean by not kadosh? Not kadosh means you can no longer bring it as a carbon. But it doesn't mean that it's totally not Kaddush. Maybe it still has Kedusha. And since it still has Kedusha, you're going to be obligated to burn it because it's a messed up Kedusha. Most of Rav has a challenging question. If a person set up the Lechem Apunim and the Bezichin after Shabbos, the, the spoons for the Levina, after Shabbos, Victor Sabazichim B'Shabbos, and you burnt the the zichin on the next Shabbos psula. Okay, so the halacha is that the shtei halachem are going to be puzzled. So what'd you do? Let's get this clear. You took the twelve breads. Okay, you took the the uh, the lechem upon it and the frankincense after Shabbos, 
and then you burnt it the next Shabbos. Halacha is psula. Okay? Halacha is puzzle. Why? Because you only put everything there on Matzi Shabbos. So the halacha is, Rashi explains to us, that you need to have that the frankincense and the, and the bread was there for at least a minimum of seven days. So if I put it there after Shabbos, after Shabbos in halacha is Sunday. So if I go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then I burn the Levina on Shabbos, I never had the Levina on for seven complete days. Because I put the, again, I put the Levina on first Matzei Shabbos, and then I'm burning it the next Shabbos, I never had seven complete days, and the Lechem upon him is no longer kosher. Correct the Gemara, the Gemara asks Ketzad Yasser, so what do you do? What do you do? You should leave Lechem Apanim for an additional week. Okay, so what do you do here? You burnt the frankincense, so we're saying like this. Leave the Lechem Apanim, put down new frankincense, it's Shabbos day, and now you'll have Lechem Apanim on for additional seven days, plus frankincense for seven days. We know that Allah is, even if, even if it stays on the Lechem Apanim, uh, on the Shulchan, for longer than the, the expected time, there's nothing wrong with having on it for too long. You can't have it for too short. You can't have it less than seven days. But you're allowed to have it for too long. There's no such thing as too long. Says But why is that true? Why don't we say that the bread already became Kaddish when it was on the table, on the, on the Shulchan, because the Shulchan is a Klishares, and it should be considered Pasel. Okay, Why? Because it's like you're taking it off at the wrong time. Why are we saying there's no limit to the amount? If, the, if once something is in a klisharis, you're taking on the obligations of the avayda, why are you allowed to have an unlimited extension date? Amarava, Rava says, The one who's asking a challenging question is Taka asking good. However, Rabavin's father has a brysa backing him up, okay? Meaning, very nice, it ain't gonna work with this brysa. Rebavin's father who says, oh, his whole, his whole uh, uh, approach that we say, a klishare, says, makadeh, shafilu, shalai, bismanai, that he has, a, he has a, a brysa backing him up, but granted, Rav Zera asking from this Mishnah of the lechem upon him and the frankincense is gonna be a challenge on him, except... That's fine. He's allowed to disagree because he's got another Mishnah backing him up. Vikasavar Laila ain't Mechusar's man. And we're going to say that, that uh, Rav Oven's father's Mishnah holds that, that uh, nighttime is not considered Mechusar's man, but Yaim is Mechusar's man. But daytime is considered Mechusar's man. So if it's missing a little bit of time at night, we don't consider that to be time missing. But if it's, if it's uh, missing any bit of daytime, then it would be. Uh, it would be time missing. And therefore, if a person puts the lechem upon him and the levaina on Matzei Shabbos, which in halacha is called Sunday, so it's okay. They're, they're, uh, it's not going to become Tomei since their time for Kedusha is not anyway until the following Shabbos. Says the Gemara, one second. But once the next Shabbos comes, it should become possible, okay? Because once you have the nighttime following Friday, so now the lechem, the lechem upon him should become kadosh as soon as it's there. 
and it's out and it's uh, in extended zman, okay? And that additional time frame is what's going to mess it up. Amar Avina, Avina says, no, shakodam v'soku. We're dealing with a case where the kain, uh, the kahanim went ahead and they removed the breads from the shulchan um, while, before Shabbos even started, while it was still Friday. And Mimela, it wasn't, it, it never came to having the ability of becoming possible. Okay, now let's uh, just wrap up this, this, uh, this discussion with one more approach to explain this Lechem Aponim and Levina issue. Marzutra Zutra Rav Ashi Amar, Marzutra, and some say it was Rav Ashi, says, Afilu kodam We could even explain where the Kayan did not take it off of the Lechem Aponim on Friday. We could say that's the case, the Kayan never took it off Lechem Aponim, and therefore it, it had the possibility of entering a Puzzle time frame. But, since it wasn't put there like the mitzvah, meaning it was put there on the wrong day, it was there Mati Shabbos. It was put there at night. So, it's as if it was never put there in the first place. A kaif literally is a monkey. Okay? So, imagine if you have a, a uh, monkey putting the lechem upon him on the shulchan. Is it going to take on sanctity? No. Of course not. It's not, it's not arranged. It's, it, it's a joke. Okay? So if the bread is put there too early, so you should view the bread, we should look at the bread as if it's not even on the shulchan in the first place. And since it was on the shulchan in the first place, here's the whole catch. Even if I burnt the levina in the wrong time, it didn't do anything to Lechem Aponim because Lechem Aponim wasn't yet put down on the Shulchan. Okay? And since it wasn't put down, it also is not outside of its, of its uh, Kaddish Dika time. And that's why everything remains valid. All you need to do is keep it on for an additional time frame. This way we get our minimum amount of seven days. And again, as far as an extension, no problem. You're allowed to leave the... Uh, you're allowed to leave the... Um, Lechem upon him on for a longer amount of time. Okay, we're at the two dots. You know what? Let's just give a quick start to the next Gemara because we still have a little bit of time. So let's just give a, a two-minute start to, to hit on tomorrow's dot. There was a rule in the Mikdash. And the rule was, again, if a person defecates, they go to the Mikvah. If they urinate, then they do Kiddush or Daim Raglayim from the Kiyar, right? They, they wash their hands and feet from the Kiyar. Says Gemara Vishtuma Raglayim, it makes sense to wash your feet after urinating. We shouldn't need tzitzis because you could have drops that fall onto your feet. Eliadaya my timer. Your hands didn't touch anything. A person urinates. They don't even touch anything with their hands. Okay, so why do you got to wash your hands? Amaravabarabab explains. Zotomeret. What this means to say is top of tomorrow's daf. Mitzvah l'shavshir. Okay? That there is a mitzvah and um, uh, there's a mitzvah, l'shavshef. L'shavshef literally means to scrub. Now, what does it mean to scrub? So Rashi explains to us that, um, just uh, right in the beginning, Rashi says, it's not really appropriate for um, a person to walk away from urinating with 
potential drops of urine on their clothing or anything that's noticeable for various reasons. Okay, for various reasons, and we're about to get into one primary reason. Um, but you're not supposed to have urine on your clothing, and therefore, if a person does get drops of urine on themselves, they're supposed to use their hands to wash it away. Why? So here's one reason. Listen to this, and we'll end with this. Is approved to Ravami. Dam Ravami asul adam sheitzer benetzitzer shalgabe raglam. A person should not go out in public where it's noticeable that there's drops of urine on his lower part of his body. Raglam literally is his feet. The nation era kichrei shivcha, because people who are cross shivcha, people who have crushed or cut genitals. Okay. Um, they they have issues of having drops constantly come out of their male organs and therefore if a person gets drops on themselves you could have people start talking and say oh one second this guy Yankel is a cross shivcha which by the way means that he's sterile I, he's walking around he's got two kids it must be his wife is uh, doing something that he doesn't know about there's somebody else in that house and uh, his kids are mamzerim. People are going to start talking. Which is another message that you, we can't not care what people are going to say. Like we learned previously, right? I, people shouldn't judge. Fine. But people do. And therefore I got to do what I got to do to make sure they don't talk. And because of this idea that a person should not walk around with noticeable drops on their garments because other people might say that, uh, that he's a kroshif but his kids are mamzerim. Therefore, there's a mitzvah to rub it with your hands. Hence, we now have an answer. This is why, That's why with the kiar, the kahanim washed both their hands as well as their feet. And Bez Shem, we will pick up from here the fourth line on Daflamir Amar Aleph, Amar of Papa, tomorrow, same time. Hopefully not the same place. Hopefully we'll be in Yerushalayim and Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.